You're listening to episode 288 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. And today, I mean, every one of my guests is just so special, but I am super, super excited to bring you Sophie Yosefina today. She is amazing. I absolutely adore this incredible woman. And she's a sex and relating coach and masculine feminine expert. And she has just this amazing story. And as an ex-data scientist, she knows how to walk both worlds between walking the bridge between Tantra and neuroscience, the masculine, the feminine, the dark, the light. She also leads incredibly deeply potent programs for both men and women too. And Sophie just brings this uniquely beautiful, calming presence and to the intersection of, of some of her skills and talents that position her to teach in a way that's different from anyone else I've found in this particular area. And we're getting into a lot, this one. And this was just so good that by the end of it, it, she's like, wait, the hour is up. Like, can we record another one? So we are definitely going to do a part two because I just have so much more to discuss with her. I could talk to her for days. um, And I think you're absolutely going to love this episode. So we're getting into Tantra, uh, exploring what it means how to bring it into your everyday life as well as into your sex life. We're talking about masculine and feminine polarities uh, and also this sort of the whole idea of the strong independent woman and creating a a balance of independence while also being open to receiving in relationships and allowing others to show up for us, particularly the masculine. Uh, We're talking about why some of us can insist that no one can meet us where we're at And then we wonder why we're not having the experience that we want. (laughs) That can be extremely common. Uh, The entire idea of women supporting men too. And especially if things get awkward in the bedroom, you know, like sometimes um, very human things can happen and sometimes it can be hard to not to take things personally and both sides can get in their own heads and, and there can just be this whole thing that can come out of it. So we're talking about how to better support men uh, and the masculine. Uh, and really maturing emotionally as well, regulating your own emotions rather than expecting your partner to take on everything for you, which can be a very easy trap to fall into. I think all of us have likely done that at one point or another. And also why pleasure is so important. We, we talk about pain on this podcast a huge amount, and I don't think that we always talk about pleasure enough. So I want to start highlighting that more Uh, Because I think that it's such an important and crucial element and it's part of the balance that we need to be able to bring into our lives. So sit back, relax, enjoy this magical episode with the incredible Sophie Josefina and get ready. Oh my gosh, Sophie, I've just been fangirling a little bit on you the last, what, 10 minutes because I just adore you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. You're one of those people that I'm like... 
I need to make her my best friend and she just doesn't know yet. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm delighted to be at to chat with you. (laughs) I am so, so excited to be here. Honestly, I I feel like I already know you and we've already hung out in Bali or something. (laughs) We must've met at some point. (laughs) Cross paths. I'm sure we probably did. That's been happening a lot in my life lately. Like People are coming into my life. I'm like, we have definitely crossed paths before. We just somehow missed each other. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So tell us a little bit about you. You have just incredible story. You have an amazing background. When I first came across mm-hmm. you via Traver, I was just telling you, like, I was just immediately drawn in to just everything that you do. And I'm, I'm just so excited to talk to you about a whole list of things. So tell us a little bit about your background because I, I love your story so much. Yeah. So I call myself a polarity coach, but God knows what that really means, but no, <laughs> I, I work with masculine and feminine energies and I work on, regardless of your gender, helping you integrate that. So I run quite large programs for women and quite large programs for men, where I really help them connect to both the inner masculine and feminine, because I had such a deep journey with that myself. Um, I am an ex data scientist, so I had a very different life. I spent the first 10 years of my professional career in the corporate world in like mathematics and statistics as a manager, very male dominated. And, uh, I actually love that work and I burnt out completely. I burnt out completely and I wasn't in a toxic work environment per se. I was everything that I thought a woman needed to be. So I was with the strong independent women and the feminist wanted, or what I thought the goal was, was making my own money. I was confident. I have friends. It was very successful. Um, I knew who to date. Uh, I was wearing my high heels and my dresses. Like I thought I was a woman and I couldn't, it wasn't sustainable. I couldn't, I just couldn't keep up with it. And I was very confused. And by the age of 25, I was at the top of my career. I think by the age of 26, I had such a bad burnout that I stayed in bed for two years, two full years, because my body just couldn't go back to my old life. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it for a very long time. I was like, what is this? I don't hate it there. It's not that bad. What's up? What's up? What's up? And I was actually raised in Tantra. So I had a mother who was the Tantrika and a father who was a quantum physicist. So that's a very strange mix. So I have this experience of Tantra as like, this is what we did on Sundays. Right. And never this like intellectual idea of what we were actually doing there. That was just my, my Sunday activity. And in my burnout, I came back to my tantric roots and I started learning about what was actually in there. I started learning about this whole idea of masculine and feminine. I realized, oh, the energy that I was thinking was this womanly thing was actually a super masculine energy because I was out alphaing anybody in the room and I would date like these very like the alpha men of the world, but they would all turn into puppies in my lap. And I just didn't get what was happening. And I would be so resentful. And I just thought no man can handle me. And I was very much in these stories until I started learning what feminine energy is. So I still very much appreciate my masculine energy. I love being my masculine. It's very much part of who I am, but it was out of balance. There was no counter side to that. So I had never said, I don't want to go to the Ikea by myself. Who wants to join me? Right. I never said like, I never, I'd never like actually let somebody drive the car and not micromanage it. I was so 
on top of everything, on top of everyone. I was the rock to everybody, but nobody was the rock to me. There was no place in the world where I was actually in the experiencing role. So that's really how I see masculine and feminine. The, the masculine is the doer in the car, right? He's the one that's like, we're going to go in this direction. And the feminine is the experiencing. It's, it's not necessarily surrender, but it's more like, can you eat a piece of chocolate and just enjoy the chocolate? That was not an energy I was ever in. And, and I started developing that more and more and going deeper and deeper. And then I realized that my body was leading me very clearly into a very different direction because she did not want to go back to that job. I, by the end, like, I think I had an epileptic attack every 48 hours, every 48 hours until the day I quit my job and then it stopped, right? Like it was really extreme. I, I don't know how many illnesses I had. My body would keep designing a new thing and a new thing, a new thing, because it just would not go back to that office. And so the day I, I won't say like I'm, I'm of like complete health right now, I'm not, but something completely shifted. And now I know that my body was whispering this whole time of like, go follow where your fuck yes is. It's not giving, it didn't give me the choice to do anything else but my fuck yes. And so about a year and a half ago, pretty much on the cusp of Corona, I uh, quit my job, started doing this. And then this took off like crazy from day one. And I'm exactly where I need to be in, in life. And it's weird because everything in my life led up to this point. My master thesis was in the difference between men and women and how they understand probabilities, right? Like there are all these like weird things where I'd always been working on polarity, on masculine, feminine energies. And, and so everything's just kind of been leading up to this moment. And now I'm here. So that's just Beautiful. my story very briefly. <laughs> What incredible alignment though, like just to see all the pieces fall into place that way. That's just amazing. I, I mean, there's, there's so many things I, I would love to, to pull apart there. One of them I feel like is if you can explain to us what Tantra is, because mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people out there who don't even really understand what Tantra actually involves. And they just think that it's like some weird sex moves. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure there's people out there that like, that's all they think Tantra is. So explain to us a little bit about what Tantra is. And then I also really want to dive into sort of like the strong independent woman vibes yeah. and, and talk to you more about that too. So let's start with the Tantra. Yeah. So I think a lot of people know Tantra from like uh, sting being able to have sex for 10 hours <laughs> or something, right? Like that's, that's the stereotype idea that people have. Um, Tantra for me is really if I can compare it to, for instance, mindfulness or meditation, mindfulness and meditation is very much, I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my thoughts. And it's a very like mental workout to not be identified with your emotions. So it feels to me like you're in your head and you go up, Yeah. right? I'm not that, I'm not that. I know when I was like beginning twenties, that was spirituality, right? Everybody was meditating, everybody was doing mindfulness. And because I have ADHD, I couldn't for the life of me do any of those things. And it just didn't make sense to me. I just thought, is this spirituality? It's not what I feel in my body. What Tantra does is very much the spirituality through the body. And it's actually saying yes to everything of your human experience. So when you feel jealous as fuck, be jealous as fuck, because there's so much energy there, right? If you do this thing like, oh, I shouldn't be jealous because I'm enlightened and I'm not attached to anything. You're just suppressing what's there. And what Tantra actually does is, is say yes to what's there, even if it doesn't make sense, even when it's ugly. Every emotion is seen as a God that has its wisdom. 
Mm. So your anger has wisdom, your, your jealousy has wisdom, your disappointment, your depression, your boredom, all of that has wisdom as life energy because jealousy, for instance, that's one of the biggest energies. Like if something will get you up and moving and not sleep for three days, it's jealousy, right? So there's so much life energy there. And so when we actually go towards it, and that's not to say to drown in it. So part of Tantra is to learn to sit with the bigness and be able to literally as a masculine in front of a woman in all her fullness, sit with it like, okay, okay, we're a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And this is the cool thing I think about Tantra. It, you learn to transmute energy. So you have, and this is the cool thing about having a body, you have the ability to like an alchemist to turn jealousy into erotic energy. Mm, yep. And that's really, that's really what I think Tantra is like the original alchemist. You're able to, to be with, the more you are able to be with what is exactly as it is, the more you're actually able to alchemize it and to turn it into more life force. That's what they call that or more life energy. So it's Tantra is sexual, but it's actually not the goal. It's sexual because all life force is sexual anger. It feels, feels erotic if you let it right. It's like an orgasm or when you cry, it's like, there's a peak and then there's a come down that feels really yummy. Right. So there, everything in that sense is erotic and, and sexual energy and erotic energy are, are this beautiful, like, let's try to call it like a highway to work through everything, but it's actually not necessarily the core of what Tantra at least is for me. But the beautiful thing is about Tantra is everybody you ask will give you a different answer because it's a lived experience. It's just, this is what it feels like in my body. This is how I have yeah, been experiencing it my entire life. And, and like, for me, like when I was uh, as a child, like being raised in Tantra, I just remember Sundays with like 300 people singing a mantra in complete utter bliss. Like that, that was Tantra to me. It was just being so alive and being so full and being so there. So that's, yeah short answer again. Incredible. No, I love that. And I love that everyone has like a little bit different definition yeah. of it. And it's almost as though, where do we find the line between regulating, being able to regulate our emotions yeah. and more embodying our emotions mm -hmm. to maximize it and to really utilize it to its fullest expression. Where is that sort of line? Because a lot of us have been trained as you know, we were, we were children, we were toddlers, we were taught not to stamp our feet in anger or because we didn't get our way or something like that. So how do we manage that, that line as adults? Yeah. So I call that the, the vomiting of emotion or being the queen of the hurricane, because let's say I'm going through a lot and I think my partner should just be able to hold me. Right. This is a thing that a lot of people will take from polarity and, and then use as a way to be extremely resentful with their partners. But Let's say I do that. I just go to my partner and be like, Bleh, all this shit happened today. And all I'm feeling all these things. There's so much happening. And I just vomited on him. That's actually me giving somebody a whole lot of crap without consent. Uh, and I'm expecting him. Me. I'm expecting him to hold something that a parental figure would. Me as an adult need to, and this is why I very, I'm very strict in that I think regardless of your gender, you need to have a masculine and feminine practice. I need to be able to hold that in myself. So there needs to be a system in me that can contain it. So for instance, if I'm really angry, I will put on one song and let out the anger. That's my containment, three minutes full out and then 
we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna close it again so the maturity comes in choice not a suppression not in drowning but in choice so I can feel for instance that I'm triggered now by something and say I'm gonna deal with this tonight with myself mm-hmm. I then have a choice to bring that to my partner it's literally an invitation I'll say do you feel is, is like how how are you today can I share you a little bit of what's happening? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I give him a little bit. And he's like, okay, I'm still okay. I'm like, can I show you a bit more? Yeah, okay. And it's really, it's not a, he's not expected to hold it for me. It's really this dance together of how much of my bigness is okay to be there today because he's human. He's yeah. human. So this is really, I think the, mat- the maturation is when we can hold it within ourselves and have a choice so the, the person in front of us has a choice whether or not to hold it with us. And they're not, we don't need them to. And that's when the beautiful things started happening. Yeah, that need piece is is the really, really key part there for sure. And I love that you're bringing up the, the maturation process too, because you, you did a, a post a while ago that really resonated with me about um, how often, and I think especially the feminine, but it can go both ways. Can, we can sort of insist that no one can meet us where we're at. Like no partner mm-hmm. is, is ever able to rise to where we're at. Mm-hmm. And then we're wondering why we're not having the, the experience that we want. And this sort of ties in with, with even like sort of the strong independent woman vibes that we were talking about before mm-hmm. too, because I, I really, I've heard you speak before about, um, and this is where I really related to you about like having a very high libido and being sort of shamed for it a little bit. Like I, I have uh, a previous partner that referred to it as, as aggressive and I it's, then it makes you just want to shrink down and then it feels as though no one can, can meet you where you're at. And it wasn't until I sort of started working on a lot of that within myself, uh, your, your amazing course, healing the masculine is, is part of that process. So we will list all of that in the show notes too. I highly recommend it. You just put to the other beautiful, beautiful courses. But where, where do all of these pieces start to come together with, with the maturing and as opposed to just sort of the stamping our feet and wondering, then wondering why no one is, is coming to, to save us, essentially? Yeah, that's exactly the word. We're, we're often looking for somebody to save us. We want that like David Data, black belt man that just has done all the work and just shows up at our doorstep. And then we don't have to be anything anymore because he can hold all of it. And it's really what you're looking for there is a savior. Yeah. Right. Actually, it's way nicer to be with a partner that is at your level, for instance, and that you can grow together and that they don't have to be your teacher or your, your daddy or whatever that dynamic becomes or your coach. They, they just get to be human with you what I, in my own experience, I know I was very much like this and my current partner is a, is somebody that meets me. I can tell you it's terrifying. It's terrifying because I can't do that bullshit anymore. I can't be like, oh, nobody meets me. I can't do that because he does. And so I think where previously all my relationship, like conflict or pain was all about him not showing up for me now, all of a sudden, for the first time, I need to deal with a little piece of this because am I really showing up? Actually, I wasn't. There's a, there is an illusion that like you've done everything, but they're not. And it's not true, right? The person that dates unavailable people is unavailable to love themselves, as painful as that sounds, because otherwise you wouldn't date an unavailable person. An unavailable person wouldn't be attractive 
it's attractive because you also don't really have to show up. You can always say like the anxious and the avoidant both have a very attractive, like what's it called? A very comfortable position because the avoidant can always say, no, but I choose love. They are not. And the avoidant can always say, oh, but I am self-resourced. They're not. Yeah. Right. It's all very, <laughs> there's a, there's a level of superiority in both of them. That's comfortable. And so when you're actually met by your partner, I can tell you from my own experience, like it took me almost a year before I was able to fully say yes to this partner. And that was hard on both of us because I just, it's so confronting. It's not, you're not being saved. There's no saving. It's you actually have to go deal with yourself then instead of just pointing the finger. And, and another piece that I want to bring into that is, this is also why I made healing the masculine is, is I think a lot of women are in this energy of like, but he needs to show me that he's the king or that, that he, he sees me as the queen and then I might open my heart to him. There's a very interesting dynamic there of like, they need to prove to me that they're worthy of my heart and then I might give a sliver. Like imagine being a man in front of that. That's really harsh. It's like, you give me everything and then I might give you a little bit. That doesn't make sense. And so if you want somebody to treat you as a queen, can you go to him already treating him like a king? And a lot of women will block when I say that. They will think, no, 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 he doesn't deserve that. No, 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 because all men suck or you need to watch out, right? There's, yeah. there's a program that kicks in. And, and that's, I think, the thing with polarity. You can't sit there and just be like, okay, the world, please give me what I want. You need to start initiating the energy yourself. You want somebody to devote, you go devote. You want somebody to meet you. Do you actually meet them? Are you, have you actually ever listened to a man and what he wants in relationship? Does anybody take that serious? What men need in relationship? Men need praise. They need non-judgmental space. They need trust. They need softness. Does anybody really take that serious? Yeah. Not really, right? Because there, there's so much pain around that. So this, this is honestly why I made that course because there was something in the strong independent woman conversation that actually makes her more blocked to love. And it's the same often with the goddess, uh, the goddess movement. I love all the women empowering women, of course, but there's something in like the goddess of like, oh my God, look at me, I'm this amazing goddess. If I were a man, I would think, uh, like, how do you even I handle can't. that? Like, <laughs> I can't yeah. even get to you if I wanted. It's like, up on a pedestal. You're, you're then placing yourself on the pedestal and looking down and wondering why no one can climb up to get you. Yeah. yeah. So if you want a man to bring this energy of like, I've got you, babe you need to give him space to step into that. Oh, right. There yes. needs to be a softening. There needs, something needs to soften you. Otherwise there's literally no space for him to even do that. Yeah. Cause you've got it all together. You've got your shit together. You're like, so that's the big switch. That's the big switch that happened in me. And, and the thing is when we start working on these things, it's not just about your relationship. I feel it in everything. I feel it in money. I feel it in business. I feel it in my daily life. I feel it when I go to the grocery store, there's a different energy in me. I don't like my favorite question is when you go to the grocery store, do you, do you, and you can't find the pasta, do you want somebody to find it for you? Or do you get a kick out of finding it yourself? And what a lot of women will do is that they think they should be able to find the pasta, mm. even though they hate it. Yeah. Even though it pisses them off, but they think they should. What a great example. It's a really, 
Yeah. And to really start releasing that. I hate finding in myself. I get no joy. <laughs> Me too. It's really like, <laughs> it's frustrating. Like, I really do yeah, I don't like if he, I, I see my boyfriend, he will, he, he loves, he's like, oh yeah, I know where it is. I'm going to, I'm going to find it. You want that pasta? I'm going to take care of it. I don't, I really don't. I love asking somebody like, where's the pasta? Please help me. I love that. That feels really good. I love seeing somebody help me and having that exchange. I enjoy all of that. So to really, to really be able to release all the patterns of what we think we should be able to take care of and, and, you can always ask, right? I'm always, I'm, I'm, I feel like I can always ask. I can always ask for more. I can always ask for help and everybody's able to say no, but I can always ask. Yeah. And I, I feel like, again, we're, we're sort of touching on like a, like an edge, like a delicate balance where yeah. we're, we need to be open to receiving because that was a, a big problem for me. And I think that, that like, that is sort of the, the issue of the strong independent woman is that we can do everything for ourselves. And yeah. when we open ourselves to receive, it's a completely different experience because when we feel like we, we can't receive or that we shouldn't receive, we're putting up the wall and then wondering why nothing is able to penetrate yeah. it. And, but then it's also, it goes both ways. Like we need to be able to give to the masculine as well. And yeah. I work with, with a lot of uh, men and I just adore, I like you, I just love working with men and people will ask why. And I'm like, I just feel like they, they are so under supported and they want to like grow into like these incredible humans. And it's like, sometimes no one will even give them that space and no one will give them that opportunity. And so how do, how do we as, as women, and again, we're speaking like a little bit more heterosexually, obviously in this, mm -hmm. just in this conversation, but how, how do women better support men? Because I think that there's so many men who are dealing with so much insecurity, but we expect them to be the rock, like the rock solid human that they can just stand on their own two feet. They don't, they don't need anything. We don't need anything. <laughs> Everyone's independent. And then we wonder where intimacy goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think there, there's two big things in, in what I can see really get stuck. And that's the first one is that we, I think we give men very little leeway for error. So the moment he wavers his presence for a second, we're annoyed and we feel abandoned. So I think part of what, what the feminine or women get to practice is like, can I be with his humanness? Right. Because he will come back. Can he, can he breathe for a few moments to control his ejaculation, right? Can he, can he have had a long day while I'm telling him my story, right? Can, can I be with his humanness and not right away topple over in disappointment? Because that's really what happens. So it's really like, can, can I allow him to do more of that? And I just forgot my second point. <laughs> <laughs> happens to me all the time. <laughs> but it is like this, this is such a beautiful conversation about how we can like give generously and also receive generously and, and to support the, the masculine without, with that forgiveness factor and, and, and trust. I think that's the other big thing is that there's so much distrust where yeah. if the man wavers, then we immediately close up because we think, okay, then, then clearly he's, he's done. Like that's it. <laughs> and we don't allow for any space there. Yeah. And I think this wasn't the point I was going to make, but um, what has happened for a long time, I think, is that that the feminine has been looked at through masculine lens. So emotions suck. Emotions are irrational. Doesn't make sense. You need to get control of yourself. 
things are not that bad, blah, 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 blah. This is very much looking at the feminine through a masculine lens. But I think the opposite is happening right now where we look at the masculine through a feminine lens, like, oh, but you're not feeling, oh, but you're not this, oh, but you're not that, right? When actually you don't want him to be completely like you. You don't. Right. That's 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 what you have with your your girlfriends or with your with your with your your, your friendships. That's what happens there. So to to give men almost the, the permission slip of can you can you be in the masculine energy? Masculine energy is more thinking, it's more discernment. Right? It's more this like rooted down and a bit more stable. So he's not gonna like join you in the in the turmoil of what you're going through. Of course, he can have an open heart, but he does like to, to give more space for him to be different. And that doesn't mean that he's not there with you. Doesn't mean that he's not in compassion at all. It's just like, can he? Can you give him more space to be masculine, and not expect him to be just like feminine? Like my partner always jokes, he's like, so if you wouldn't want me to talk about like Mercury retrograde or like this or that, he's like, you want me to like understand it or like that that maybe they've looked at it with you or when you're talking about it to be interested, but you don't want me to be the person that is, that is like the source of all that information. You actually don't want that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I go to you for something different. I remember the point now that I wanted to make the other energy. I think that a lot of people are bringing is an energy of like waiting for him to wake up and to fuck up. Mm. And so we go to him and we're like, okay, so when are you going to learn how to, how to be present and be masculine? And I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to screw that up because I know you will. And so it's a, it's a really weird energy of, I call it, I think in my course, I call it like, we, we assume they're already guilty. We assume that they've already fucked up and to actually flip that. I'm like, I'm going to assume that you want to show up to this just as much as I do, that it's just as scary for you as it is for me to open my heart, that we're both vulnerable human people. And, and what wants to happen then that it's maybe scary to lead me that it's that it's like there's insecurity of course just like I have insecurity there's insecurity in, in, in being the container and being the structure or can I can I give you the same benefits of doubt that I also very much enjoy and I think when we really start peeling off all those layers we give men literally more freedom to be there as they need to be and that's the core of the masculine energy yeah yeah. And just like taking that responsibility for, for ourselves and for our own role in it as well. And yeah, I, I, th- we could even bring this into conversation about, you know, any awkwardness um, in the bedroom and stuff too, especially mm-hmm. for men, like anything related to performance or anything like that, there can feel like there's so much pressure that then if anything goes wrong, I think that there's also a big part of the conversation where then the feminine can take it incredibly personally. And, and she thinks that it's about her. And then that makes masculine feel even worse. And then nobody, nobody leaves happy. <laughs> so how do we, how do we handle that? How do we deal with that? And how do we better address when those very normal human things can happen? Yeah. I, I, I would love to have almost this like PSA about like the awkwardness in sex. Yeah. It's so part of it. It's so part of it. We have this idea that it's all like perfect and beautiful. No, it's raw and ugly and people can't find the condom or whatever. Like <laughs> stuff happens. It's supposed to be awkward. And so 
I think also in secure relating, safety doesn't come from no trigger. Safety comes from the repair. So actually intimacy is built by the fact that something super awkward just happened and that you look at each other, laugh and pick it up again. That's what creates intimacy. So the, so I think a lot of people think intimacy and sexuality is when everything's perfect and he keeps it up and they get an orgasm, right? We think that's what it is. It's actually much more in the, in the, can I, with the moment we're with the humanness of it all, the moment we're with the humanness of it all. And, and for any men listening, I can guarantee you she doesn't care that much about your penetration. Sex for a lot of women is not really penetration focused. She doesn't care. I, I can tell you one of the hardest things for me, pun intended, one of the, <laughs> <laughs> the hardest things for me in sex is the disconnect. That is way worse than the erection that doesn't stay. It's so much harder to deal with because it's, it's, like let's say man ejaculates, the disconnect that happens straight after is extraordinarily painful to experience. Or if something happens to his erection and he just like shuts down, can't be in connection. That's what's painful, Not, nothing about the erection. So also I don't think there's many, I don't think like that's not the standard. The standard isn't that the erection stays up. I don't know any man that's able to do that. Yeah. That's not the standard. The standard is actually that your energy moves up and down, especially if you want to have more tantric sex, the energy will move up and down. It's not like, yes, there, it's very possible to have sex for 10 hours, but you don't do rabbit fucking for 10 hours. That's not <laughs> what happens. It's lit, You are just with the waves of sexuality. Okay. Now there's a wave up and there's a wave down and right. It's, so it's, it's, if something like that happens, all you get to do is just, okay. So the energy doesn't want to move like this right now. Um, maybe we can just cuddle. Maybe we can just massage each other a little bit, right? Like that's really the tantra of life. Like how does energy want to move right now? And can I be in service of that? So if at that moment, something in your body is not working the way you want it to, okay, energy wants to move differently through me. Can I show up for that? Yeah. And, and that the penetration really is not just about the physical act. It's, it's the emotional penetration and like the aftercare. And that, again, that's where those, those really beautiful moments of, of intimacy are built. Like, can you, can you give people some sort of ideas as to maybe some things that they could be working towards in that area or make some adjustments around in order to increase the intimacy when it comes to that side of things? I love the aftercare conversation. Yeah, That's my favorite. It's honestly just the conversation of like, what did you love about what just happened? Yes. Right. Oh yes. Were there any moments that you really got triggered? Right. Because we all have them. It might be like, Ooh, I was triggered because, or I was afraid that maybe when I asked for that thing, you really didn't think that was okay. Right. To actually discuss them. And to, again, that's the big intimacy builder because then you can have a relationship, you can have a, a sexual relationship rather than just the sexual deed because, hey, babe, actually, no, I loved it when you asked that. Oh, really? Or maybe it was like, yeah, that was a little bit triggering. Oh, okay, what could we do next time, right? Or is this something you want to explore or not? And so this aftercare conversation of really like a, that also I think helps bring it into the real world. So when we go from, 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 having a sexual interaction back into normal life, it's actually nice to have a little bit of transition. Maybe you have a shower together and you just like have a little chit chat. Like, what was, what did you love? What was maybe scary? What do you want more of? And to just have a little bit of those moments. And, and this is also, I think something beautiful that Tantra teaches is to have an intentional sexual practice. 
So you can even sit with each other and, and my partner, I do this maybe once a month where we sit and like, okay, what is it that you're trying to practice in your sexuality? What is something you're interested in experiencing? Doesn't mean that you have to give it to each other, right? But maybe you notice that there's a desire to do something more kinky, to just express that. Or maybe your practice is, can I stay in the slow sexuality more and not right away go into the very high intensity one, right? Like just expressing your... Like the way you would think about your workout or whatever, like your yoga practice, like what is it that this month you kind of want to focus on and just having a conversation together. Again, we can't demand it from our partner to give us that, but we can at least have it be seen. Like, oh, I noticed some of this has been coming up. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And pleasure in general. I feel like you know, it occurred to me as I was putting together the notes for this. I'm like, I feel like we talk about pain on this podcast a lot and how to manage pain and like turn that into like, you know, create a deeper sense of meaning and purpose. I want Sophie to talk about pleasure. Like, I mean, obviously we've been talking about that more throughout, but tell, like, talk to us a little bit about sort of why, why it's such an important and, and pivotal part of our lives. Because I think that sometimes we can get sucked down these rabbit holes where we we feel like we need to experience pain in order to grow, in order to progress. And pleasure is just as much or more of, of the important side of that conversation. So talk to me about pleasure, Sophie. <laughs> do you know the book Existential King? I do, and I haven't read it yet. It is on my list. I, have, I will add that to the show notes and I, I have to add it to my own like actual bookshelf because I've been meaning to read it for ages. <laughs> this book is mind-blowing in the sense that it almost says that everything in your life, there's a kinky element to it. So something about the pain hurts real good. Oh, that's delicious. Right so there. There's something about like, I don't know, let's say you're not making money or you keep dating the, like, I think that one's a great example. You keep dating the bad boy or the yeah. unavailable guy. Something about that hurts so good. I know when I met my current partner, he was very available. A part of me wasn't activated. And I thought, oh, I must just not be that interested in him, which wasn't true. I just wasn't in my constant fear based, like, like obsession of like, did he text me back or not? Right. Yes. It hurt so good. I, it, it forced me to stay present and to be there and to be super engaged with everything that was happening. And so to see that there's actually pleasure is part of everything. And that is a really like that, that book explains it very, very well, but to, to, like I'm doing a money course right now. And I literally said, when you're not getting what you want, he's literally making you wait because he wants you to beg for it harder. Oh, right. And that's a very different energy. Instead of thinking like, oh my God, I'm not getting all these things I want. I'm not getting the man. I'm not getting the house. I'm not getting the job. What if he like, like the cosmos is just a kinky motherfucker that <laughs> wants you to beg harder. Yes. Right? That's such a different <laughs> switch. Cause you can feel that the moment we bring that in, it feels expansive. That's what pleasure does. It makes things expansive. And part of, I think, healthy or, or secure nervous systems or, or healing nervous systems is to feel that things can coexist. So I can be deeply afraid and feel pleasure in my body at the same time. And so pleasure is not a bypass. So if you, I don't know, go into sex and just think, I had a really stressful day, but I need to shut that off because right now I need to feel pleasure. It doesn't work. It's actually the, 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 the mature nervous systems when you start to feel that those can coexist. Okay, I can be super stressed out. And that also feels good. Yeah. Right? I can be feel really insecure right now, but my hands feel fucking powerful. 
Oof. It's the melting of things. And so part of what Tantra teaches us as well is that we have a conscious decision to bring in certain energies. So you can always source that. You can be in a, like, okay, for instance, I'm terrified of flying. I had a very bad plane thing when I was 10 and I'm just something like went in my brain. I freak out beyond belief in a plane and I fly so much and I take all the value in the world and it doesn't work. So I have a very visceral response. I understand very well that the plane's not gonna drop but my body doesn't. The last flight, what that was the very first flight where something switched in me. Um, normally I have all these coping mechanisms. I can, I'm able to like just chat with the stewardesses. I just, I'm just up the whole flight. I literally help them like do meal service. <laughs> like all of that helps me. And because it was COVID and the plane was completely full, I was locked in for 12 hours on a flight that was extremely turbulent. My idea of hell. My partner was sitting next to me and he was just saying, Sophie, what if trying, instead of trying not to be afraid, why don't you just be afraid? Mm. I was like, oh yeah, I can just, okay. And he's like, do you know that you're safe? I'm like, yes, intellectually. He's like, okay, can those two things coexist? Can you know that you're safe while your body's in extreme fear? Oh yeah. And he just looked me in the eyes. So I was connecting to another human and I, this is part of what the maskin does. He helps us feel that we exist right? It's because we see ourselves reflected. Literally penetration, penetration helps us feel our bodies to a depth that we don't by ourselves, right? So you kept looking me in the eyes. I was like, okay, I see, I see reflection of me being in utter fear and knowing that the plane is not crashing. And then he just literally started like, I don't even know, like just like massaging my hand. I was like, oh yeah, that actually feels good. That actually mm. feels good. And there, there was a relaxation that just started flowing over me because things were actually coexisting. I wasn't just fear. I was also in fear. And that's what I think the beauty actually is of pleasure. Pleasure, like bring pleasure into heartbreak, bring it, bring it into grief, bring it into to all of it, right? Like I, it's something you have a conscious decision to, to bring in that. And Another point that I really wanted to make as I heard you talk, I think especially feminine beings don't care so much about pleasure. They care about feeling. And so sexuality to me is not necessarily about how much pleasure am I experiencing in this moment or all the buttons pushed. It's like, how much am I feeling? For me, great sex is when I've cried, screamed, laughed, and had an orgasm, right? <laughs> That's great sex to me because I've just gone through the whole arena of emotions and whole all the things to be there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, yeah. so to really give yourself the permission, especially if you are in a feminine being or if you're in a more feminine state, to express it all. Express the like if you all of a sudden want to cry during sexuality, let that be there because that's actually the pleasure that's moving through your body. That's actually pleasure is like a pleasure is like a safety call it like the loop of the universe but it's like this safety safety river through which everything can kind of start flowing again everything can start flowing again and so like to me a lot of sexual practices are not necessarily pleasure they're releases squirting to me is not squirting to me is not a porn thing it's the trauma it's often for a lot of people it's a trauma release yeah right and so when we start seeing sex like that and really this like how much can I feel in this moment 
that's when it starts things start switching because pleasure pleasure isn't necessarily in the in the having the best time yeah and that's a really powerful reminder because i think that we all have this definition of what pleasure should be and if we can't achieve that definition then we might as well not even aim for it and then we can just stay comfortable in pain instead yeah 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 yeah, and to, for instance, have a self-pleasure practice, not only when you're feeling amazing. Yeah. Right? It's easy to do that, like kill us to ovulation. And when you're having oh, a totally. time and you're like, oh my God, I feel so hot. Do it in like your PMS day. Because it literally says like, I, I love you body, no matter what you're able to produce. Yeah. And you're deserving of love and kindness and nice touch and, and sensation, regardless of whether you can orgasm or not, right? So it's it's much... It's much more loving. It's not as, as, as goal focused, which I think actually we still do a lot. Yeah, also absolutely. Women, it's very goal focused. It's like it's supposed to be hot and sexy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, it's really about how can I again be with how the energy wants to go through my body today. And orgasm just is not always the goal. And, and I've had conversations with that, with multiple people about that, especially lately. I'm like, listen, like you can experience all kinds of pleasure, even if you don't actually have an orgasm. And, and I don't know if it's porn or just culture in general or, or something has sort of taught us that, that that is the goal that we need to achieve and that we're less than if we don't hit that. And that, that is simply not the case at all. I will like, okay, so I'm deep in the Tantra world and Tantra, it's quite normal for men not to ejaculate. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different story, but that it's more like a lot of men will practice non-ejaculation. Some men just don't ejaculate anymore. Like they, there are men who haven't done it for years. I've become used to men not doing that. But I remember when I first started dating men that were practicing this, that I needed to release the attachment to their ejaculation because Ooh. I had also coded that it meant that they were having a great time right. and doing something well. And that took a while that I was like, oh, okay. So there's an attachment, not just from like men that of course want to get a woman off, but it's also on the other side. That's it's a beautiful point. Side. It's so true. Yeah. We have been trained and conditioned the exact same way. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love you bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. And, and now I'm on the other side of it. Now I, I think it feels like I got off sugar and now whenever it does happen, I think it's very intense. Like, <laughs> how is this ever normal? This is so intense. This is so, because his energy will literally go into my body. That is, it's literally like a shot of sugar to me. I can't do that most days. So, so it's interesting to feel like, like what we think is normal, if that's actually really that normal. Yeah. Is it yeah. actually really that normal? Have we just like told ourselves we should be okay with that? And so, so I, I do love Tundra for being that. And, and on the other side of also as a, as a woman in orgasm, I can tell you, I, I think it's really intense to orgasm. Of course. I don't want five of them because I, I will literally be obliterated into nothingness. I don't necessarily want it to happen every time to be really honest. That's not my goal because there's, I can't handle that every day. It, it's huge energetically. Like if there's, it takes a lot out of you. <laughs> It's true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. I've said like, um, he's the key. She's the portal. I don't want to be an open portal every day. <laughs> I still want to be intimate, but I don't always like, cause it, it's almost like I'm blasted into openness and it's of course beautiful, 
but the more I'm sensitive to my energy and to how open I am and, and, and to, yeah, the more I'm, like my sensitivity is getting there. I'm not okay with that every day. And so it's, it's truly not the goal. It's yeah. truly not the goal. It's like a different, it's like a different yoga. Yeah. If that happens, I don't, I don't even notice it if I don't, I'm not counting or, or trying to. And so it's quite beautiful. Like I, when I work with couples, I often prescribe this to them of like, go have a week where neither comes and then go into intimacy Ooh. just to see what happens, just to see what all the attachments are. Like, how do you end sex when nobody comes? That's I another great stop. question because like, do you keep going until like, yeah, that's a great question. So that means you actually <laughs> have to both, you have to feel your body because at a certain point you'll feel your energy closing. You'll literally feel like, okay, I'm kind of done. Yeah. And just actually riding, like feeling that wave that happens in the Tantra experience. Absolutely. Oh yes. So that's a very different sexual experience. And that, that then becomes a, like a practice that you're doing together rather than, okay, we're, this is what we always do until one of us comes and then it's finished. Right. It's really like, okay, how does it, how's literally energy wanting to move through us? And at a certain point it stops and that's okay. And also, can you be okay with the other person cutting it off? Yeah. Without taking it personally. Like, Oh, was I doing something wrong? Like then it comes back to that situation. Like, am I not enough? <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is a beautiful practice for both sides. How much are you able to receive some of these? No. Yeah. Right. From both sides. Like, like, especially like now when, when for the way I experience sex now, I'll often just say, pussy's done. Yeah. She says no. And to not explain it. The key is to not even explain it because it doesn't require an explanation. Just, I notice in my body that my body is done. Yeah. And that you don't have to justify that in any way. No justification. And the same for, for, for lover's part, right? Like, can I receive him all of a sudden going, okay, I've got shit to do. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 It's fine. Everything's fine. Okay. <laughs> right. And then to really, so, so it's a beautiful practice, I think, because it, it, it releases so much of the, the, the neediness that we have in intimacy. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Sophie, this is amazing. Tell us a little bit about where people can find you, connect with you. I know you have an incredible money course going on right now as well. Girl, Tell I feel like we only just got started. I'm I like know, literally. I know. I, <laughs> I have like, we, we, we may need to do a second one for we sure. Because second one, I would yeah. love that. Okay. We will, that. we will set up part two because I still have many, many questions for you. <laughs> so for everybody listening, this is just part one, check the show notes in, in a little while and, and there'll be a part two added. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us where we can find you. How can we work with you? All of the things. <laughs> so my main place is Instagram, Sophie Josephina, both with an S and P H. Um, I'm currently running a deep money course where I'm working with the masculine feminine energetics of money and actually kind of seeing the cosmos as a kinky motherfucker and like how it does he want to play with us all day. So that's pretty <laughs> much what I'm working on there. Yeah, I'm really practicing both the feminine of money. So the receptivity, the feeling, all of that and the masculine of money, which a lot of people don't, I don't like, especially women don't actually practice the masculine energetics. So I'm very much doing it in this course. And um, throughout the year, I run a men's course called the initiation. I think the next one will be, will start in maybe two months where me and another woman, Amanda, we lead men through the initiation into masculinity. And so we're two women leading men, which is a very, very beautiful space. I'm very proud of, of what we've created there. 
And Healing the Masculine right now is an evergreen chorus and that's great. So you could just take it at your own time because it's a lot. Yes, it is. There's a lot packed in there. <laughs> I can attest it's to a that. lot. Amazing. Every time I've done it, like, I remember the first time I ran it, it was like in six weeks and then that was insane. And then I think the last time I did it in four months, people were like, this is still very quick. <laughs> a lot <laughs> to do the self-paced yes yeah. it's so beautiful though oh my gosh yeah. sophie this is just amazing i just think mm -hmm. that you are just the most beautiful human inside and out like mm -hmm. i just truly i adore you so i have one last question for you um i ask all my guests this if you could give people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves what would it be start following your fuck yes even if it makes no sense like if we think of uh, steve jobs who did a calligraphy course and um made no sense because he was a computer science guy it eventually was the reason apple became so successful because it looked good you don't know how it's going to make sense yet but start trusting the whisper start trusting the fuck yes if you want to do a pottery course you do the pottery course like really the because your desires are innocent the things that you are you have the daydreams about are completely innocent they're coming from something very mysterious so the moment we start following that you will be led to something you'll be led to to your own i think your your own what's the word your own north star mm -hmm. your fuck yes is so much more important than we realize and to to of course respect the masculine discernment of like i want to buy a ferrari and maybe there's a voice like well can we afford that <laughs> right well, maybe you can buy a mint or you can spend a day like renting a Ferrari and having that experience. Like start really listening to the daydreams, to the, the sexual desires, to all of it, because it's, it's literally your soul whispering as if it's a food that you need, right? You might be like, oh my God, I all of a sudden need this. Okay, how can I create that for me? And, and let that lead you. It's that nourishment, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you're such a beautiful example of that as well. Like it, throughout your entire journey and now looking back, you can see where all the pieces were being threaded together. Yes. Yeah. Oh Crazy. my gosh. Oh, yeah. thank you so much, Sophie. <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.